the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed in the program are not necessarily those of this radio station or its sponsors and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. You should always consult the appropriate advisor before making any financial decision. All rights reserved. Now, AM 1220 KNW presents... New Focus on Wealth with Certified Financial Planner, Chad Burton, drawing from his 20-year background in finance and investing to help you make sense of your money matters. New Focus on Wealth. Get a new focus on personal finance, wealth management, Wall Street, and the economy. Now your host for New Focus on Wealth, Chad Burton. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. If you have a money question for the show, shoot me an email, chad at chadburton.com. You can find out all about me, my team, EP Wealth, what we do. Check it out, chadburton.com. All the podcast links are there as well. Well, let's start with this 10-year treasury bond at 1.17%. That is insane. Absolutely insane. If you'd have asked almost anybody about six months ago as the economy was taking off, and as we all realized that the only thing really long-term affected at this point from COVID was travel, leisure, you know, airlines, restaurants, and those types of things, they would have not called these rates. 10-year treasury bond at 1.17%. What that means is that bonds have continued to rally in price upward, and it's an inverse relationship to yield that's down. It's like another opportunity to get a ridiculous rate on a mortgage. Now, why is this happening? Well, first of all, the Fed's last week holding rates steady, still buying $80 billion of treasuries and $40 billion of mortgage-backed securities. Those are mortgage-backed bonds. And so that pushes prices up and yields down. And at the same time, you've got a lot of people that are getting to retirement age and still investing in what is considered safer assets in, in most cases, which is a bond. Because a bond, you're essentially loaning money to a government entity or a corporation. You get interest payments along the way and you get your money back at some period. In the case of a 10-year treasury bond, it's a 10-year bond with the US government. You're loaning money to the US government. You're going to get paid 1.17% for 10 years and then you're your money back. That is less than the rate of inflation. So your only hope is that rates go down even farther and your bond goes up in value and you can sell it to somebody else at a profit. Otherwise, seriously, if you, if you look at what's in the S&P 500 in terms of Apple and Microsoft and Amazon and all of these crazy good companies where you have a yield of actually over that at this point, do you think those stocks will be worth more in 10 years? Now, if you would have asked somebody that question in 1999 and you had a big market correction in 2008 and nine. I mean, you're still ahead of the game. It was a very scary ride, of course. But, 
you know, I, I, it's, it's rough. It's, it's like you need your bonds, you need your fixed income at retirement. And typically when you're 50 years old, you start transitioning into a more balanced portfolio. But you're kind of like right now, it's just like, why? I'd rather learn about the stock market, learn about volatility, make sure that I've set myself up so that if we do have those corrections that occur, and, and look, we've been nine, 10 months now without a 5% plus correction in the market. We are way overdue. Way overdue. But everybody's looking at any correction as buying opportunity in stocks because there's so much cash out there. There's no competition from bonds. But as long as you learn about the stock market, you make sure that you don't have money in the market that you need in the next five years to put food on the table and pay your bills, you're just going to be, you're going to be fine. Now, what's the most confusing thing about this is at the same time, we're all seeing signs of inflation. Now, some of it has calmed down. Like, you know, everybody talked about the price of lumber, including myself, and that's pulled back. And, but when you see inflation running above rates, and, and what's difficult about that even is the numbers are so crazy right now. I mean, a lot of the inflation numbers that we just saw have to do with consumer spending and things like used cars prices up like 20%. And boats, RVs, all that kind of stuff. It's insane. It's, it's an insane market for recreational vehicles, used cars, and things like that. So it's it's a little bit tough to really you have to dig into these inflationary numbers to really get an idea on you know what we're dealing with. Right now, you know, demand is not the issue, it's supply. I, I am so frustrated right now because of my moving back to my house that I've been out of for nearly a year now because of a forced remodel with a little water damage and some mold in the ceiling issue. Got put off another three weeks again. Yep, three weeks. This time it's basically the cabinet people. They couldn't, they've overproduced, they can't keep up, they're way behind on their installs, and I'm about to lose my freaking mind. It's ridiculous. But there's bottlenecks so bad. Like when I talk to my builder, they've never seen anything like this in terms of getting plumbing supplies, getting appliances and things like that. There's still a major bottleneck here. And then you're seeing it in chips. You're hearing about it all the time. And you're going to get this, you know, let's pull some of this stuff back into the US, especially with what's going on in China, which I'll talk about in a bit. Uh, but you're starting to see inflation finally. Well, Strategis put it in their weekly commentary to us. And that's a, uh, well, I told you about Strategis before, but inflation is starting to register on the DC political radar. But a wait-and-see approach is still favored. U.S. inflation is still viewed as transitory. Recent U.S. bond market moves have not scared the Fed. The 10-year Treasury finished last week at 1.22% and 1.17% today, like I mentioned. And then Strategic says, as we noted last week, the rise in inflation is pushing down real spending and GDP growth. So some of these increase in prices is, is going to push down... GDP growth expectations. Um, and again, consumer spending contributed 7.8% to, or 7.8% points to the second quarter real GDP growth. So there's a lot of just wacky numbers going on right now. And home sales are down a bit, but inventories are down. It's harder to find stuff. I, I Twice over the weekend, when like one time when I was 
pumping gas. I, I heard one person talking to the other. What are you doing this week? Oh, I'm trying to find a house. Well, be ready for some sticker shock. Oh, we know. We've been looking for two months. We can't really find anybody, anything in our price range, but we're still looking. And that's starting to be the issue. There's, there's a price versus a low interest rate on mortgage inflection going on right now in many parts of the country. Many parts of the country. So it, it's insane how much you know, rates have gone down and you can still get historically low mortgages again right now. Um, it's just it, it's interesting to see this all play out. But the bond market is just telling you something different than the stock market. And right now, it's just telling you that everybody's competing for bonds, whether it's investors or the government. And the government needs to get out of this. Now, I don't mind it when they go in and they they support basically how banks work and things like that. The um, it, which happened back in March and April and and dealing with the repo market, which no time to get into that, but it's just basically just kind of cash issues. So um, it's, it's just the next correction could easily be as a result of a jump in interest rates. When the Fed finally says, okay, we're going to stop, we're going to stop, you know, funding this and we're going to stop buying $80 billion of treasuries and $40 billion of mortgage backed securities. And prices on bonds start to fall and interest rates start to go back up. It depends on what else is happening, but that could be a situation where stocks and bonds fall at the same time, which is why I always tell you, if you're going into retirement, five years or less, or in retirement, you need three years worth of your portfolio draws, not expenses, it's your draws. It should be much less in safe, 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 safe money. FDIC insured, CUNA, T-bills, things like that. So that you don't have to sell anything when you get one of those corrections. Because like in 2013, it was very short-lived, but it happened. Stocks and bonds dropped at the same time at a pretty quick clip. And it was a horrible time to sell either of them. So that's why you need to have cash. I'll also talk about bucketing a little bit later. All right, let's uh, move on here for a minute. Let's talk about uh, what's happening in China a little bit. And it's interesting because... It seems to me that you know China is kind of going back to that nationalist idea that hey hey we're communists don't don't forget that we're communists is that what's happening is going to go swing to this other side of the spectrum here and they're going to go full communism or is this really kind of a way to shake out a ton of leverage that was going on in their economy so when you ever have rapid growth like China has. And they really have to continue to grow over 6% GDP or they got financial issues. So there was a lot of over leverage and a lot of trading in China where people were taking money, borrowing money and investing in tech and startups and, and other things like that. And so some that I've heard talk about emerging markets, which really China isn't an emerging market anymore. It's a huge economy and it's fairly well developed even though you have a lot of poverty and outside of the cities, well, um, or, you know, necessarily as much poverty as other countries, but people, they're trying to get people off the farms into the cities, right? And so some have talked about it like, hey, this is, this is, this is going to kind of shake out over time. They're trying to shake out the leverage of the economy. They're trying to create some more rules so that you don't have a longer term financial situation. So some people like Mark Mobius, and he's a veteran investor who spent three decades at Franklin Templeton Investments. 
you know, pioneer boots on the ground style investing in various countries. So there's no way that any global investor can ignore China unless there's a complete embargo by the U.S. government. But that's very unlikely. Well, I, I will say to that, if we get continued hack attempts and things like that, we'll see how it goes. Um, something has got to happen in terms of a hard line of China when it comes to China and Russia and doing joint military exercises, but also when we have hack, major hack attempts coming out of both countries. Not a good deal at all. Um, but the biggest stock that people think about in the US is Alibaba. Alibaba Group Holdings did beat earnings estimates today but a little short of revenue expectations. They're buying more, more of their own shares. They're boosting their buyback program. So the stock, last I looked, was, was poised to open about 2.5% today up, again, over 200 bucks a share. So that's one of the big ones. And, and look, most index funds out there, like EEM, which is an indexed ETF, Emerging Markets, own about 30% China. So you're, you're seeing returns in that area little rough. If we look at emerging markets, which the majority of strategists at the beginning of the year, based on the idea of recovery, um, had really high hopes for emerging markets. Because you, you're this, in this situation where emerging markets have lagged the US for so many years in a row now, that usually that rotates and there's some huge returns when it comes to emerging markets. You get a dividend yield of 1.46 on EEM. Versus 1.17% is the 10-year treasury opens today. So you get more yield from dividends. Of course, it's way more volatile, right? Than a, than a 10-year treasury bond, which doesn't go uh, drastically up or down in any direction. And you've got a weighted for, or a forecasted P ratio of 13.95 versus 22 in the US. So you see a lot of value there. But you now have China... And I told you, I think last week or the week before, that remember during the summertime, what comes to the forefront is any geopolitical news at all because a lot of people go on vacation, trading volumes are very light. So any kind of news story will affect the markets. This is a pretty big one though in terms of what's going to happen in China. Are they going to just go full bore communism and rein in any speculation and get everything more government-owned? Or, or what are they going to do here? This is just to shake out the speculation to avoid any kind of financial crisis. Because, man, I, I drool at that forecast to P ratio. Forecast to P ratio of 13.95 and a dividend yield of 1.46. In the United States right now, the dividend yield on the S&P 500 is 1.27%. Lowest that I can remember. And the forecast P ratio is 22.01. That is not cheap. Now, it's not super expensive because of where interest rates are and, and how quickly the economy is growing. But you got to remember there's been bottlenecks in supply, there's been inflation issues, and, and uh, a lot of stuff is, is pretty pricey right now. Um, you have seen a rotation out of emerging markets in the last. Oh, I don't know, two weeks or so in back into small cap. Small cap stocks, I mean, if you just look at IWM, which is the iShares Russell 2000 ETF, which is, you know, kind of a basic approach into small and mid cap. The, you know, Y charts calls it a small cap blend. So it's a blend of value and growth, but there's a lot of mid cap in there. 
Dividend yield 0.86%, forecasted PE ratio 16.28 on that, according to Y charts. Um, so people are saying, okay, emerging markets is speculative. Small cap is is you know more risk than in terms of you know how many of these companies are just gonna gonna survive and become mid-cap than large cap companies. So you're seeing a bit of a rotation back into that. So for much most of the year, you saw uh, the S and P 500 leg small cap stocks, and then all of a sudden we had that big tech rebound, and that direction that that win by small cap ended right before the Fourth of July, and after that point, the S and P 500 rallied, and from the Fourth of July on, the small cap stocks declined in value. So people started taking profits in those areas, but not taking profits much in the S&P 500 because people started flowing back into technology that had lagged through for much of the year. That rotation trade took a pause. And so small cap had a pretty significant decline. Um, so for the last month, you basically saw small cap stocks fall about 4% where the S&P 500 was up almost 1%. And now you're seeing that rotation out of China back into small caps. It should help that out a little bit. But I would still maintain exposure to emerging markets for sure. I wouldn't give up on it at all. But I like active management instead of just passive approach to emerging markets. Say hello to a pass that gives you endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. You might call it the suitcases always packed pass. Or the wait, I get to choose from 100,000 trips pass. The will it be the beach, city, mountains, or all three pass. Or you could just call it what we call it, the Inspirado Pass. Endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. Learn more at inspiradopass.com. Let's get into IRAs because there's been so many changes with IRAs lately, especially with the SECURE Act that did away with what's called the stretch IRA. So it doesn't change anything for married couples. If you're, you know, if I, if, if you're a person that's married and you die, your spouse has the ability to roll those funds into their own IRA. There's another option too if they actually need money and they're under 59 and a half um, that they could do as well. But I'm just going to leave it there for now. But in the past, we used to be able to leave our IRAs to our kids and they could defer the income taxes over their entire lifetime. They just have to take a little bit each year. And so now that's all changed. Now, when you leave it to your children, unless they're disabled or they're a minor, um, then they have to pay the taxes within 10 years. And the, the law, there's still a lot of ambiguity in the law. There's still a lot of issues with it. Theoretically, though, a person could take your, uh, a child or, or some non-spouse beneficiary could take your IRA or your Roth IRA, roll it into an inherited IRA or an inherited Roth IRA, let it just sit there. And then at the end of the 10 years, just take it all out. Now, the taxes will still be you know, tax-free with the Roth. Um, but they could just let it sit there for 10 years under current law with the IRA. And so the IRS is like, ooh, we kind of screwed up on that one. Uh, we should probably make it so they have to take it out over 10 years, not just at the end of 10 years, because now they're going to lose out on some revenue altogether. Because current, the law prior to that made people take a little bit out each year and pay the taxes. So, um, you know, and, and so I was seeing a couple of articles by Ed Slot 
He's at IRAhelp.com. He's a CPA. It's considered kind of an IRA guru. What happens at death and other rules like that. And he says the 10-year rule isn't so bad because most young beneficiaries take the money out quicker than that anyway. So not that big of a deal. The other thing that he commented on, he had an article in Think Advisor magazine, which is a you know industry-based kind of magazine, but it's really an online magazine now. Good old Ron Wyden of Oregon. Um, and, and it's, you know, he, he gets on these bends that you can tell he doesn't really understand stuff. And then it creates kind of these really uncomfortable scenarios where if somebody is successful and they've worked really hard and they did a good job saving money and they created a lot of wealth versus somebody that hasn't done that um, or is struggling, it creates like this class warfare situation by picking and choosing stupid little things to get all worked up about. And the um, there is a data release from the Joint Committee on Taxation, the JCT, revealing some mega million dollar IRA and Roth IRA balances. And that set off alarms with Congress. And the people started talking. People have been talking about this since, you know, back when Mitt Romney had a big giant IRA account where some of the early stage companies that they invested in did really well. So they just ballooned in value their IRAs and 401ks. I will first point out that there's absolutely no abuse on any of this stuff. These funds were all contributed to these IRAs under legal limits. And these people followed rules just like everybody else did. And I will also tell you, like Ed Slot did, and let me quote him in this article, it is not a growing problem. In fact, it's a growing benefit for Uncle Sam. Why? Because the tax bill is eventually going to come due. If you add the person's lifetime, life expectancy plus 10 years, the government's going to get taxes on all of that money. Anyway, so the bigger a person's IRA or 401k is, the bigger tax bill that's going to be due. This data released by Senate Finance Committee Chairman Ron Wyden last Wednesday shows in some cases only a few hundred people with tens of millions in their IRAs. So we're going to cause a big uproar in Congress and change a bunch of rules because a few hundred people have tens of millions in their IRAs? Now, Ed Slott goes on to point out that none of the bad uh, issues have been pointed out here. Because what you can do if, you know, traditionally, if you have an IRA at Schwab or Fidelity, right, you basically are investing in stocks, bonds, mutual funds, and ETFs. You can find custodians out there that will allow you to invest in other things, whether it's real estate or startups, things like that, right? And so... Even I personally have done this where I've, I've got, let's see, four different startup investments that I use in my individual 401k, my custom 401k plan that I had prior to starting the company that just sat there when I was an independent advisor and I funded it and opened up a, a customized plan because there's a couple startups that I want to invest in. And basically, two of them have gone bad. Now, not all is lost, but COVID drastically affected them. But this was my speculation money, my funny money, my, well, let's see what happens money. I like the people. I like the products. I'm going to invest in it. 
That happens a lot, people. And so people think about the ones that didn't go well. All they focus on is the jealousy of the ones, the people that did do really well. All right. I've got some clients that at one point, no, 10 years ago or so, they took a large chunk of their IRA, rolled it into or transferred it, did an IRA transfer into one of these custodians that allowed them to invest in their own franchise. Those things exist out there. They lost everything. A huge amount of money. $400,000 of retirement money. Is that in this? No. So there may be a valid point though, as Ed Slot points out. It's not like, you know, stop Ron Wyden, like doing things that you don't even understand, creating class warfare issues. There's a lot of that going on right now. You know, you know it's... It's it's really annoying as a business owner when you're told uh, that you don't pay your fair share in taxes. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's it's I mean, I'll, the amount of taxes I pay is is ridiculous. And we started a company, we created jobs, a lot of really high paying jobs, many of them in six figures. Those people also pay taxes. So to tax people that help create wealth and create jobs even more doesn't make a lot of sense when the government is spending money hand over fist and doing nothing about mental health issues, homeless issues, and things like that. It's really, really annoying to a business owner. That's why I think people should be a requirement before you get into Congress to actually run a business, actually know how to do a tax return. Because if people in Congress knew how to do a tax return... They wouldn't be funding and buying $80 billion worth of bonds and creating all this debt out there. <sighs> it just, you know, didn't mean to get up on a soapbox, but it, it, this kind of stuff just annoys me. People like Ron Wyden that don't understand issues and they pick out this small little thing, which is a couple hundred people, and think that there needs to be meetings and all this other stuff. Look, it might be fine to let Congress say, you know what? No more startup style investments in retirement accounts, especially Roth IRAs, because there's been more people that have been burned by that, just lost everything versus these few hundred people with a bunch of money in there and got lucky. Because typically the, those that did this were, were people that were really into venture capital. And so they're funding their 401ks and things like that. And they're like, man, I, I, I'm putting everything into my business. I need liquid cash because this business that I'm helping fund, I want to buy some of these shares too. And so maybe two out of the 10 investments that they had did really, really well and ballooned up like this. A lot of stories that 10 out of 10 investments went bad. So you got to be careful. But what Congress should be focusing on is making it much easier to save for retirement. Why do we have limits on whether or not you can fund a Roth IRA? And we have to do these backdoor Roth IRAs. Why do we have limits on how much you can put in pre-tax into your 401k or post-tax into a Roth for that matter? We have too many barriers for saving for retirement. We have an overcomplicated tax system. And so... you know, They, they should really allow as big a Roth IRA as you want. People can pay taxes on it now and let it grow tax-free so we can actually afford to retire. This is a big story. If you hear about this or have people talk about this, this is what Ed Slot calls a nothing burger story. The, The senators have a solution here looking for a problem. 
And it's another kind of a class warfare thing that is creating issues. And I'm not saying that's not a problem. I mean, wages have to come up on the low end. That's, that's where there's been no inflation is on wages at the, at the lower end of the curve. So I don't mind that people are demanding higher wages to be able to afford to live. You know, that will cause prices to go up and everybody will pitch in and pay. That's a better, let the market work and people demand more wages, which would increase prices is way better than paying more taxes and watching Congress waste all of our money, funding different things that we didn't ask them to fund. And, and Ron Wyden, why don't you go look in downtown Portland? The city is a disaster. There's homeless camps everywhere. There's graffiti everywhere. Portland is a garbage pit. Portland is ruined based on how people have been dealing with Oregon and running Portland. So way to focus on a big nothing burger, Ron Wyden. That's all I want to say about that. That's it. I'll be done. <laughs> After the break, I'm going to tell you what you can do already. Just a huge amount of money that you can save pre-tax, after-tax, and tax-free in your 401ks. We'll go over the mega Roth 401k options that many of you have already. Tomorrow's show, I'm going to talk about a great article on Christine Benz that she kind of pulled up. Uh, She's at Morningstar, one of the best financial writers, I think, out there. And she had one on basically practicing retirement, a six-week sabbatical that she took, and she's up for another one now. So she kind of pulled that article up again. It's a good idea to practice retirement. It's also a good idea to get really focused on your health in retirement. Last podcast, I talked about uh, the effects of grounding and also known as earthing and reducing inflammation. Um, Harmony783.com has such a good link under the what is grounding tab that I needed another pair of grounding flip-flops or slippers as they call them more in Hawaii. Um, where you can still walk outside and get that grounding effect of the earth, which there is a great link on all of the studies that were done on this. For example, number nine on one of the studies they pointed out, one hour contact with the earth's surface improves inflammation and blood flow. A randomized double-blind pilot study in 2015. So there's links to all of these and and just, it's amazing. Like if you have inflammatory issues, you want to... Stay young, keep your body, help it allow to fight cancer and things like that. Look at look at her thing. It just blows my mind that I was in my 40s before I heard about this at all. But I'm now a tree hugger. I will go out and hug a tree for a little while because it helps me sleep better. <laughs> so just keep that in mind. All right, I'm getting totally off topic here. I was going to actually talk about what can we already do? Because we had Ron Wyden trying to create more rules on a very small problem that's out there and create kind of class warfare issues. Really what we need to happen is give people more opportunities, give them better education, create more availability of childcare and things like that so people can go further their education and and be able to make more money to save more money, not limit what we can invest in. Opportunity is what we need. We need jobs, not stupid meetings on things like, oh no, a couple people have millions of dollars in their 401k. Anyways, let's let's look at what we can already do. In a 401k, you have the ability to put away 19500 pre-tax. You could also put it away post-tax in a Roth if you wanted to. But most area, people in the Bay Area, Oregon, when they're making their high amounts into the six figures, they want to defer taxes. They don't want to pay the taxes on it. 
Um, so that way, every dollar that they put into the 401k, they're only missing like 65, 70 cents of take home pay. So most people put in 19,500, which is the max pre tax. And let's say your employer has a 4% match and you make 100 grand. That's another $4,000. So that's $23,500 that gets invested into the pre tax account, the 401k that grows tax deferred forever until you start to take it out. But there's still room for more because the actual limit for defined contribution 401k plans per the IRS is actually $58,000. So if the plan that you are in allows it, you that person in this scenario could put an additional $34,000 after tax contribution. So it comes out of their paycheck after they pay taxes on it. It goes into the after-tax bucket in the 401k plan. And then it can be converted to the Roth bucket. Many plans like Microsoft, Cisco, this happens automatically. So as soon as the contribution goes into the after-tax account, it gets automatically converted to the Roth account. Last time I looked, it's, it's been a while, but our Apple clients typically have to do this manually. And then other places that I've seen, like uh, Intuit, for example, they have to fill out a form whenever they want the conversion from the after-tax to the Roth to happen and send it in. So we typically have those people do it on a monthly basis. Just get it done on a monthly basis so you're only having to do it 12 times a year. A lot of plans do it automatically. So, I mean, let's, let's think about that. If, you, if you're able to do that, you, you're getting in 23500 growing tax deferred and then 34000 that is going to go after tax to a Roth. And I mean, that's, that's a lot. Now, how many people that are making hundred grand can afford to put away $58,000? Uh, well, actually, in this case, with the match, it'd be $54,000. So you know, you, your plan might not allow it, though. Some plans have a limit on, out, on after-tax contributions. Um, like I have one client that the most he can put in is about $10,000 into the after-tax bucket that gets converted to the Roth because of plan rules. Some plans have too many highly compensated people and they, they can't even allow the after-tax to Roth option. But most of the larger companies can. Lockheed Martin, Facebook, uh, Apple, Microsoft, Cisco, KLA, Roche. It's available for you guys. You just have to look into it. It's, it's a great, great amount of money that can be put in. And then after that, Oh, by the way, add $6,500 to this number if you're going to be 50 or older by the end of the year because that increases the amount that gets going because of that $6,500 catch-up contribution for being 50 or older before the end of the year. So then on top of that, people can be able to fund a, a uh, Roth IRA. Now, even if you make too much money to fund a Roth, there's a potential if you don't have any IRAs at all and you've rolled them all over into your 401k that you could do a backdoor Roth IRA contribution. So that's another six grand per person going tax free. So we have a lot of ability to save money in our plans these days. When I got into the business 28 years ago, there was a limit of like 10% of pay period that you could put in the 401k plan. And then they made a flat amount and they've increased that over time because people are drastically underprepared for retirement. And social security is, is under threat of reduction in benefits in the year about 2034. So retirement saving is up to you. You've got to save money. The government's not going to take care of you on this one. So focus on it. Thanks for listening. Please tell a friend about the show. If you need financial planning help, retirement planning help, just go to chadburton.com. 
There's also links to the podcast, all the different platforms there. Thanks for listening and please tell a friend about the show. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.